In this week's episode, I am joined by attorney, keynote speaker, nonprofit founder, and all-around fabulous woman, Genevieve Jones-Wright. She and I will chat about gray hair, an all-black flight team, period poverty, and much more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. All right, let's get things started. Genevieve, would you mind introducing yourself? Well, first of all, thank you so very much, Bernadette, for having me here on this wonderful podcast. I would love to introduce myself. I am Genevieve Jones-Wright. As you said, I am the founder and lead empower mentor of Motivation in Action or MIA or MIA, depending on how I feel. I am an attorney. As you said, I was a public defender for 13 years here in San Diego County, where I live, where I was born, where I was raised. And I am now one of two co-founders and the executive director of a nonprofit that works to make our government more accountable to all people, but especially marginalized people. So again, it's wonderful to be here to have this conversation with you this morning. Thank you so much. It's really my pleasure. Well, in, in this week's five things, I wrote about how a lot of the conversation around DEI still comes back to hiring. Last week, I did a, a book club with one of my clients, and we all were talking about my book, Inclusive 360. And, you know, I can't tell you how often the conversation came right back to hiring and increasing the pipeline. And, you know, I think that's a reasonable strategy. We certainly see a lot of it. There, are, It's a very important. But data actually shows us that the entry level of organizations, there's already quite a bit of diversity. What happens is that diversity starts to decrease as folks start to move up the corporate ladder. And, uh, you know, sometimes called the broken rung. So what I think is much more important for organizations is to reinvest in their current employees and to help them move up the ladder, to help them motivate those employees, those high potentials. I know this is something you're really passionate about. Can you tell me a little bit of, share a little bit of insight on how you would recommend organizations really focusing on that instead? That's the key right there. There has to be intentional focus. So there is a wonderful book by Rohini Anand, that is called Leading Global Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, a Guide for Systemic Change in Multinational Organizations. Now, whether you're a multinational organization or not, this is a great book. But the thing that Rohini talks about is that it has to be intentional and it has to be 
focused because a lot of people think that just because you hire people that are underrepresented, that somehow, and I'll use Rohini's words, they're going to just percolate to the top of the corporation. That's not how it works. And so intentionality and being focused and having a strategy that is focused is the key. So with my team, I love to keep them motivated by just simply affirming who they are. We are a young organization. I have a pretty small team, but my team is powerful and mighty because they understand that they were hired for a reason and they were hired because of who they are. Every single last person on my team has individual strengths. They come with different personalities. And when we talk about the DEI conversation, it has to be this elevated conversation that brings into the conversation and into the picture this principle of belonging. If your team members do not feel that they belong, they are not going to perform at a high level. You are not going to have those healthy relationships. You are not going to keep people satisfied in their jobs and they're not going to be motivated. And so it's not just about having a diverse team or maybe saying that we work to have equitable outcomes through these things. And it's really not a daily practice. And, you know, we're really trying to build this inclusive workplace. If people don't belong, if they simply just don't belong, they're never going to ever come to the top of the organization or be promoted because you're not even thinking about that principle and how it is so important. And so belonging. And I now, you know, I can talk about this all day, Bernadette. But the thing is, you know, we talk about code switching in the African-American community. I empower my employees to show up as they are, that if there was something that happened over the weekend or something that happened in national news that affected them, we talk about that because our employees, our team members are bringing their whole selves. And that's what this sense of belonging is all about. How do I show up as my true self and be able to be my full self in an environment? When I'm able to do that, I'm able to really perform my job. I know that people care about me at work. I don't have to do this separation between work and home life. And I'm just a better person, just a better person in the workplace. Absolutely. And I've seen that within my own team as well. But for the folks listening or watching, can you please share one tip for managers to help team members feel like they're belonging and one tip for peers to help their own peers feel like they're belonging at work? You know, I would give the same tip for both categories and I'll tell you why. Well, after I give you the tip, I'll tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> it's important for managers and also our peers, our colleagues to just do check-ins on a human level. When we know that something has happened because we saw it, we heard about it. Take, for instance, the George Floyd murder. This was something that no matter who we were or are or where we lived, we heard about it. To allow that space for people to talk about how that has impacted them. When I talk about just check-ins on a personal level, it's about really listening to what someone says when you ask at the water cooler, how are you doing? So many times it's just a perfunctory greeting. We say, good morning, how are you doing? And we expect for that person to say, fine, we're ready for them to say fine. And so we're like, great, me too, and walk away. Having 
these conversations that are meaningful and authentic is important, especially when you just don't know what's going on in someone's life. And allowing that space for people to be comfortable to talk about things that have impacted them, whether it is a familial situation or something on a greater societal um, realm. The point is that if we're talking about building inclusive workplace environments, we really do have to talk to each other as if we care about each other and that we understand that we're all experiencing this human experience and we're doing it together. Excellent. I love that. Um, would you mind, do you have a, a quick prompt or conversation starter you can share with our listeners real quick? Just sort of one key sentence. I love to do check-ins before meetings. And so one of my check-ins that I do is something really simple and it is tell us in one word how you feel right now in this moment. In this moment, how are you feeling? And it makes people dig into their present situation, their emotions, and we take time for people to really think about in the moment, how are we feeling? And if someone like one of my team members last night or last week says something like, I'm just really feeling anxious and I don't feel that I'm doing enough, then we dig in. But other than that, it is a one word. And if they need any follow-up, then we do the follow-up. I think that's great. And it's something that everyone can really easily take. But I think the key part here is that it shouldn't be something that just happens, a, a conversation that just happens after, you know, something made the news. This needs to be an ongoing thing. And when every employee, not just the ones from marginalized groups, are asked this question on a weekly basis, it starts to become normalized. And being honest about the answer, I think, starts to become normalized as well. And so it doesn't necessarily put that pressure on marginalized folks to feel like, okay, this is, this is, this is about that X story in the news. Absolutely. You are spot on with that. All right. Well, let's get over to the five things for this week. The first comes from Scotland, which is the first country in the world to make period products completely free. It's actually requiring all public settings, such as universities, colleges, public schools to provide free products in the toilets, not somewhere sort of hidden off. <laughs> and this is an equity issue. So I think this is a really important initiative. Absolutely. Can I just say that the U.S. is so behind on this? When we talk about equity, this has to be a part of the conversation. When we talk about building inclusive societies, this has to be a part of the conversation. Unfortunately, we've allowed for outdated traditions and just an overall lack of education to stigmatize a normal biological function. I mean, let's think about how we talk about having periods. This is something that is normal. This is something that is healthy. This is something that allows for civilization to continue. And yet we have these gender stereotypes that come along with the conversation, if the conversation is had at all, because we know that there's a lot of taboo just around that subject matter. So the fact that 
other countries are looking at this and understanding that there's also, in addition to that element of just having dignity around having a period, but there, there's also other issues like poverty and how people who experience menstruation may not be able to afford those basic necessities. And so this is a very important conversation when we're talking about equity. Absolutely. And I think the article gives the example of defining period poverty uh, as someone going to the store and thinking, okay, can I buy tampons or a box of pasta? You know, it's, it's that sort of situation. And, you know, there are some, lots of places actually that tax period products as well. So it's, you know, sort of double inequity. Okay, so the next story is about Lisa Laflemme, who's a Canadian TV anchor and journalist who reportedly lost her job after she let her hair go gray on the air. And then we saw lots of brands like Wendy's and Dove um, really, really get into this by changing their logos to be black and white by you starting a campaign called Keep the Gray by Dove. So we're starting to see brands sort of promote age diversity here. Uh, what do you think about this story, Genevieve? So I think the story sucks. <laughs> 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 but I think what companies have done in response to this is just absolutely beautiful. And although this story is centered around an anchor woman who was based in Canada, we know this happens in America. And we see this when you have uh, a young woman newscaster who is doing her thing. And then as soon as, you know, she's kind of getting up there, as they would say, she's replaced by a younger news anchor. We got another younger weather girl or whatever, right? And of course, there are some exceptions. We have the Barbara Walters who have been around for a long time, but this has been commonplace in America as well. So I just wanted to make sure that I said that. But ageism is a very real thing. And especially as it relates to TV personalities, there's just always been this double standard. We can see the graying man and he's looked at as this person with all this wisdom and, you know, he should be due respect. Me personally, I think gray hair is beautiful. I've always wanted just a beautiful streak of gray hair in the front of my head. And when we talk about, again, being inclusive as a society, we cannot let this ageist stuff hold us back from making every person in our society feel wanted, valued, and accepted. I mean, where would we be without seasoned women to give us their brilliance and their wisdom. And so while the story sucks, I'm glad to see people stepping up and bringing attention to this issue because it's been kind of hidden in the background for a very long time. And so it's good for us to have these conversations and for people to actually address the inequities. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, for those folks who've been reading, listening, or watching five things for a while now, you'll know that a lot of the stories are some version of, well, here's the silver lining in that sucky story, or, well, better late than never, <laughs> you know, but it is important to keep finding those silver linings and celebrating the wins. So that's, that's what I do every week. All right. So the next story comes from Ben and Jerry's, which has a new partnership with Tony's Chocoloni, which is a, a chocolate company 
that is committed to ensuring there's no child and or slave labor used in the cocoa supply chain. So I didn't even realize this was a thing, um, but apparently it's a really big thing. And so they're going to have some co-branded products and Ben and Jerry's is adapting the sourcing principles and practices promoted by Tony's. You know, this is really important stuff that doesn't even occur to me, to be honest, Genevieve. So, you know, I feel I'm still learning all the time, too. We all are. We really all are. And especially, and I don't want to take this too to too much of a tangent, but, you know, just had conversations over dinner with some good friends the other day. And we talked about how everything is about learning, right? How to be more inclusive in our language and not be so ableist. And someone said, well, how do I know um, when I'm being ableist? And it's like, you got to be open to the conversations. And so this is also a part of that, right? Leaning into what we don't know and understanding that there are so many issues and so many barriers that keep our societies from being equitable and fair. And so I will say this, it is so fun to say the name Tony Chocolone. <laughs> it's so fun to say that. And I'm glad that they're leading the way. Ben and Jerry's has always been a company for me that has put their money and their business practices where their morals are. And so I won't tell you how long ago I was in college. <laughs> I've been a big fan of Ben and Jerry's. Um, since then, when they had like these brand ambassadors for college students. And, you know, it's important for people like me, consumers like me, to know that when I use my money, I am spending it according to my morals and that the companies that I am supporting financially actually align with my my own values and my own morals. And so this type of story does not surprise me about Ben and Jerry's. They're very hands-on, even with local issues, supporting candidates. But we really do have to dig deeper into manufacturing companies, uh, people, um, companies that produce things, and really talk about how we can better push our own agendas, if they're good agendas, with our dollars or whatever your currency is, but that, you know, it's important for us as people with our hard earned money to use our dollars to actually count and make a difference. So I, I love this story. Absolutely. And you're right. Ben and Jerry's is a big time activist company and they have done a lot in speaking out for black employees and, and folks and other marginalized groups over the years. They have, they're really a, a model company as far as I'm concerned. Okay. And so I'm so sorry, Bernadette. And I know you're like, we got 15 minutes. She keeps talking, but I just want to say Ben and Jerry's is an example of a company that shows a real commitment, right? As we talk about DEI, a lot of people have these stated principles, they'll put it on their website, but then there's really nothing to it. This is another example of how your company, your organization can really show a dedication to your principles. Like, what are you actually doing to embed these principles and make them a daily thing? So wanted to say that. Yeah, they're very aligned. They take a totally holistic approach to DEI and uh, yeah, great, great company. Okay, next story comes from American Airlines, which recently had an all-black, all-women crew fly from Dallas to honor Bessie Coleman, who is the first black woman to earn a pilot's license. And she earned her license two years before Amelia Earhart. So to celebrate the 100th anniversary, 
The crew was pilots, flight attendants, all cargo and maintenance team members. Every single one of these folks was a black woman. Pretty cool. Very cool and super inspiring. So, you know, when I first read this article, I thought about an exercise that we had done in an MCLE training, which is a training for lawyers, for you non-lawyers who may not know that. And the speaker um, who was talking about elimination of bias had us think about who comes to mind when you say pilot. And it is almost this very kind of just, uh, what do you call that? Um, Instinct reaction. Yes, instinctual to think white male. And when you think about a flight attendant, you normally go to a white woman. And so the fact that this crew was made up of all African-American women is simply just awesome and inspiring because it does turn those stereotypes on their head, but also understanding that this story brings attention and awareness to American history, which is very important, but also to the issue that Black women represent less than 1% of the commercial airline industry. And so it brings attention to this particular disparity. And Bernadette, I have a YouTube series called Motivational Mondays. And this Monday's conversation, I was joined by a doctor here in San Diego who is the only board certified OBGYN in the entire San Diego County in solo practice. And she talked about how Black physicians, Black female physicians make up only 2.5% of the physicians in the entire country, right? And she talked about the challenges that she faced as a Black medical student and her being the only Black medical student in a lot of her classes and how she wasn't afforded a lot of the opportunities that other students had. So we have some work to do. And this article also shows that, right? There's this big gap where we're not recruiting or we're creating barriers for other people who don't look like the stereotypical pilots and flight attendants. So you know, again, lots of layers to this story, inspiring. It brings awareness to issues and it lets us know we have some work to do. And American and United are actually both uh, working. Uh, I think they both created training academies for pilots and have specific scholarships for folks from underrepresented groups. So they're trying to increase those numbers. So it's not just about the marketing piece here. They are they're going deeper, which I appreciate as well. Okay. In the last story for this week, we are seeing more and more marathons and other races creating a third gender option, a non-binary option for registrations. So more and more athletes can compete as their authentic selves when they are racing. And I love this. It's actually something that's personal to us. We've worked with one of our clients is running USA Patty, who's our senior consultant, is a trans woman and a marathoner and ultra um, endurance athlete. So we this stuff, you know, it's personal in this particular story. Absolutely. I was just applauding, applauding, applauding when I read this article because we cannot, I repeat, we cannot talk about being inclusive if we're not creating a sense of belonging. And that's what this says to me that we have organizations and people who are being intentional about creating this sense of belonging for all of us. 
And so again, going back to what I was saying about consumers like me, when we were talking about Ben and Jerry's, I vote with my money. I definitely make sure that I am only supporting companies that are in line with my morals because I'm not going to spend money there. When I read this article, it was just like, boom, exactly. Because the person in the article said, yeah, uh, why would I spend my money for you to misgender me? I mean, that's a real big part of the bottom line. You are not going to ever get folks who feel that they belong if you don't treat them as they belong. And this is something so foundational, so basic. Respect me, respect how I identify, respect who I am, and I'll be there. I'll be there right with you. So there's, again, so many layers to this. We've got to be inclusive. We it, Inclusivity means doing this and more. And so I was very excited to see this. And I was like, this is some common sense stuff that other people need to just get on the train about. That's right. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you, Genevieve. You are a firecracker. You have so much passion, so much wisdom and experience to share with all of our listeners today. So thank you so much for joining me. Your website again is yourmia.org. So folks can connect with you there, hire you as a keynote speaker, hire you for some other stuff. I hope that you, uh, you get to connect with some folks from this conversation. Thank you all for listening and joining us today. If you don't already get the Five Things newsletter, you can subscribe at fivethingsdei.com. Have a great week. You too. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Five Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my Five Things newsletter, join at fivethingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith, and I'll see you next week right here for Five Things in 15 Minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI. DEI.